the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not surrender. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message that you are about to hear will encourage and equip all who have ears to hear to be Christians, clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our third message in a series of important messages concerning the subject of the church that Jesus built. In this series of messages, this evangelist is focused on one objective, to make known to this listening audience the real biblical truth about that church. Most of you have heard about a church some church, you have carefully watched and critically observed that which is called the church. Some of you have been touched by some particular church in some particular way, but few of you actually know about or are really familiar with the church that Jesus built. Some of you believe that you are a part of this church when in fact you are not. Some of you think you are a teacher in this church when in fact you are not. And others of you believe that you preach to this church each week when actually you do not. I can say all of this without any equivocation because the place where you have your membership, the place where you teach, and the place where you preach has little resemblance to the church that Jesus built that is described in the Bible. And now that I have your dander up, let us go to the only source of truth we have about the church that Jesus built to compare what he built with where you assemble or where you are planning to assemble whenever you get around to it. The foundation scripture for this series of messages is that which is found in Matthew 16, verse 18, where Jesus said to the Apostle Peter, 
and on this rock I will build my church. Verse 18 is in the context of verses 13 through 20. It would be a good thing for you to read each of those verses for yourself. But since most of you won't take the time to do this, let me do it for you at this time. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? This was a good question to ask his disciples. They knew what the most recent scuttlebutt was about him. Being intensely involved in his ministry, they rubbed elbows with the whole cross-section of humanity. They heard the whispers and the gossip spreading throughout Israel concerning Jesus. He asked these twelve special disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He did not ask them, Who do the Pharisees and Sadducees say that I am? He knew what they thought about him. He had run into that religious group more than once and had heard their blasphemous charges and accusations. What he wanted to know was, Who do men, the ordinary, everyday, garden-variety person, say that I am? And ladies and gentlemen, as far as I know, he is just as interested today to know the answer to this question as much as he was 2,000 years ago. And so let me make this as personal as I can. Who do you think that he, the Son of Man, is? There are those who believe he was only a good man, while others believe he was also a good teacher. A certain group believes that he was nothing more than a martyr. But this group is not my concern at this time. My concern is, who do you think that he, the Son of Man, is? If you say you have no opinion on the subject, you have actually revealed what you think of him. You do not think that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. This no-opinion approach to this question is just as damning as if you were to say, I do not believe that he is who he said he is. No one can sit on the fence on this issue. No one can take the fifth on this question. For the day is coming when every knee will bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Of course, the best time to make this confession is today, because today is the day of salvation. Be well assured, if you do not want to confess him as Lord today, the Lord is, the day is coming when you will, but then it will be too late. Before we leave this 13th verse, it is interesting to note that Jesus asked, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He did not ask, Who do men say that I, the Son of God, am? He could have asked the question in that way because he is the Son of God. But he didn't ask it in this way. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. This Prince of Preachers, this Master of Miracles, 
this teacher of truth, this healer of hearts, was also the incarnate God of humility. Apostle Paul described him in Philippians 2.8 as, Though being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is a good example to those today who are of the persuasion that without them being in the ministry, the church would fall apart. Jesus asked his apostles, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they replied in verse 14, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. It seems as if everybody had an opinion regarding who he was. But at least as far as those with whom the apostles had spoken, nobody had the right answer. It is obvious that each opinion was an opinion of respect. But the fact remains that the opinions given were wrong. Who they thought he was was a mistake. They should have known better. The miracles and deeds and speeches that Jesus of Nazareth did should have been evidence to those who saw him and heard him that he was greater than any of the Old Testament prophets they named. He was their Messiah. Remember, those to whom Christ ministered had the scriptures and should have known that they foretold of the Christ. Had they known the scriptures, they should have known him. But, aha, that was the problem. They had the scriptures, but they didn't know them. Not much has changed in the years that have followed. People have the scriptures today, but don't know them. People carry the scriptures into church buildings, or at least a few do, but do not know them. Most preachers lay the scriptures in front of them on the pulpit from where they preached, but do not know them. Their understanding of the scriptures is overshadowed with so many layers upon layers of denominational clouds of prejudice, tradition, and dogma that they cannot see the scriptures. That this is true and not some off-the-cuff, flippant remark is obvious as seen in there not being one mention in the scriptures of any sinner ever coming to a prayer altar to receive salvation. And yet preachers preach this foolishness, and people believe what their foolish preacher preaches. There is not one mention in the scriptures of any baby ever being sprinkled for the forgiveness of original sin. And yet preachers preach this foolishness, and well-meaning but ignorant people believe what their foolish preacher preaches. There is not one mention in the scriptures of anyone ever praying for or begging God to give them the miraculous baptism of the Holy Spirit. But preachers exhort people to do this silliness, and there are plenty of people who will do exactly what their foolish preacher preaches. Like some in the days of the apostles, all quote-unquote church people say they respect and honor Jesus, the Son of Man. But they really don't. They do not respect Him because they do not believe what He said in Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. 
foolish preachers say Jesus didn't really mean what he said in Mark 16, 16. And silly people believe the preacher rather than believe and obey the plain, simple words of the Lord. There has always been and there always will be someone ready to explain away the obvious meaning and intent of these clear statements of Jesus and his apostles. But remember this. After all their attempts to explain away Mark 16, 16, it is still there. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then, in verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? It is one thing to ask a person what others are saying about you. It is another thing to ask a person what he or she is saying about you. You can pass the buck when you tell someone what others are saying, but the buck stops with you when you are questioned about your own opinion. How many people, when approached with the gospel, have copped out by passing the buck? Go to some religious person who reads their Bible, prays, go to church, and ask them, what do you think the Apostle Peter meant when he said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? The answer comes back all too often, well, my preacher says, but this is not what I asked you. I asked you, what do you think? I know what your preacher thinks. I know what your denominational dogma teaches. What I want to know is, what do you think? It was one thing to learn from the apostles what others were thinking and saying about Jesus. It was a whole different matter as far as Jesus was concerned to know what the apostles themselves were thinking and saying about Jesus. They should have known more of the truth than others. They were his apostles. They had heard him teach more. They had seen him do more miracles. They ate, drank, slept, walked, and talked with him. After hearing what the common man thought of him, Jesus asked men who were not common at all, Who do you say that I am? It will be one thing for the heathen in the dark forests of Africa who never saw or read the Bible, who never heard a gospel message, who never sung a church hymn to stand before Almighty God on the Judgment Day. It will be quite something else for a person from the Bible Belt of America who had multiple copies of the Bible, who owned Bible commentaries, who listened to gospel tapes and CDs. There is a great number of Bible commentaries that have been written and a great number of gospel tapes and CDs that have been preached by people who do not know I mean really know how to rightly divide the scriptures and who have twisted them to their own destruction. You may know what your preacher thinks about the doctrine of salvation and the doctrine of the church, but what do you know personally? One time Jesus said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Next, in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
There was always one in every group, and Peter was the one. He blurted out the truth. He would not be persuaded or swayed by groupthink. Peer pressure was no big deal in Peter's life. It didn't make any difference to him what the majority was saying or even thinking. He would stand for the truth. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Even though in his humility Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, Peter said he was the Son of the living God. It takes conviction to depart from groupthink. We know, of course, that the other apostles also believed what Peter believed, but it was Peter who had the intestinal fortitude to say it publicly. If we could paraphrase the words of Peter, they would be something like this. I don't care what others are saying. I don't care what others are thinking. Truth is truth, and Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There was a time in church history when men and women had this kind of conviction about the truth. Men and women laid their lives on the line in defense of the truth. Men and women left their denominational creeds and dogmas and traditions to embrace the truth of holy writ. But we don't see much of this anymore, not even in the local New Testament Church of Christ. In most places, the truth is for sale, or is at least available for a trade. Whatever is the latest fad in church growth, even if it contradicts or denies the oracles of God, is the modus operandi for the church in many places. The church in most places is giving the world the very thing the world does not need, a copy of itself. Instead of lost people coming to a saved church to have their lives changed, the lost church is going to a lost world and asking what the world would like the church to be. Peter's confession stirred Jesus to say in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. Jesus directed his response to Peter because Peter was the one who answered the Lord's question. This is shocking as far as some are concerned, that Jesus would respond to those who respond to him. To sit back and wonder why the Lord works in the lives of some people and not your own doesn't require much gray matter to figure out. If you want Christ to respond to your life and needs and ministry, you must respond to Christ. But a truth more important than even this is stated in this particular verse. Jesus said that the truth that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, was not confessed by Peter because of Peter's super intellect. It was confessed because it had been revealed to Peter by the Father who is in heaven. When we ask ourselves how this had been revealed, we need to go no further than what John has written in the 20th chapter of his gospel record. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In the introduction to the message the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, Men of Israel, 
Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. It was revealed by the Father to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. It had been revealed to anyone who would take the time to look and listen. It wasn't revealed through some special vision or dream or personal experience unique only to Peter. He ha it had not been revealed to him through someone's seminar or conference. The revelation was made through the ministry of Jesus Christ while in Peter's company. He had seen the works of Christ. He had listened to the words of Christ. He was convicted and convinced in his heart that this Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ, the Messiah, who the Old Testament scriptures had predicted. God had sent his only begotten son, and Peter observed his son's ministry. The same revelation that Peter had, you and I have today. But rather than seeing the living revelation, we have the written revelation, the Word of God. Apart from this written revelation, there is no other revelation. Being an eyewitness to Jesus and his ministry brought Peter and the other apostles to a faith that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in like manner, we too can be an eyewitness of Jesus and his ministry, not through our eyes, but through the pens of the inspired writers of the gospel account. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We could say this in this manner. Revelation comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The reason that many have a problem today in not believing or recognizing the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is because they never read or hear the revelation of God that makes this apparent. When Paul told Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, he could just as well have written all revelation is given by inspiration of God. All who are living today can have the same revelation made to them that was made to the Apostle Peter and his fellow apostles. And this revelation will come from the same person. If only they would open their Bible and read, read, read. The more reading you do, the more revelation you will have. We have not come to the end of this important section of Scripture in which we hear Jesus say, On this rock I will build my church. But we have come to the end of this particular message. It is important that we consider the rest of the passage, but we cannot do that at this time. As eager as we are to share the rest of the meal with you, we must take a short intermission after eating this brief appetizer that has been mostly sugar. The main course is to follow. But of course, if you had no taste for this appetizer, you won't like the meat and potatoes that follow. For those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, I invite you to meet with me at this same divine dinner at this same time next week. There's a battle going on for the soul. 
the war is ever near But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride She is the keeper of my soul She is the church of Christ I'll not surrender I'll not surrender I'll not surrender I know I'll always be A gospel defender Ladies and gentlemen Rick Breidenbaugh speaking, and you have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the gifts of Christians and Churches of Christ who help us to preach all of the word to all of the world. Remember, thus saith the Lord, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. If you would like to receive a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message, or be added to our mailing list for our bi-monthly Gospel Defender Journal, write to us today. All of these materials are free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. Mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575 Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, Zip 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at www.gospel-defender.org. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to do it right now. And now until next time at this same time, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.